And we are live. Fantastic. Hello, ladies and gentle days. Uh, welcome to Wait, Waiting for Review, the show where me, Daniel, and my co-host, David Gary Wood, are talking about the lives and adventures of small and indie app developers, and in my case, SAAS developers. <laughs> and today... We will be talking about a certain event that happened in California last week, which is WWDC. David, so nice to see you. Why am I talking, saying David? Like, you're Dave. Dave, hi. Say I'm hi, Dave. I'm definitely a Dave, yeah. This gets, <laughs> it gets confusing because my online handle definitely has my full name in and yeah. my website has it. But actually, although I'm at David Gary Wood, at social.davidgarrywood, uh, the only person to really call me David on a regular basis is my mum. So, And I am not your mum. As far as, no, no, pretty sure about that. All right. Uh, <laughs> my, my name today is, hang on, I gotta, gotta step away from the microphone. My, my name today is Daniel, because I <laughs> had my caps lock on when I entered my name in the Riverside chat. Oh, of course. Yes. The service we use, you're definitely Mr. All Caps. You're looking like, uh, please excuse the reference, cause, uh, but, uh, uh, you're looking very reminiscent there of um microsoft visual studio products about 10 years ago oh yeah <laughs> i do oh that that was like that was a style <laughs> it, was, it was it was like <laughs> i don't know how to call it what developer corporate brutalism um, that's, that's a nice uh that's a nice way of putting it yeah oh man um i don't miss it to be fair but then i don't miss those products um yeah although that actually segues to our topic, which is dubbed up, because I'm thinking, am I right in thinking the Xcode 15 beta is kind of good? Oh, it is so products. good. Like, so I'm using it for develop, uh, for, for doing development on the telemetry deck server, which is written in Swift. And finally, Xcode can step and debug into async functions without uh, just losing its function pointer. And Ooh. so that's really, really nice. Uh, I hear though that like Swift UI previews still crash like hell. Can I be perfectly honest? I don't use Swift UI previews. Um, I have stopped using them as well. Like I don't, don't do yeah. as much Swift UI development anyway, but pretty like I'm, I just don't use them anymore. They're too flaky for me. Yeah. If you, if you do use, uh, dear listener, if you use, uh, Swift UI previews, please write us. Yeah, like, yeah. And tell us like how to actually use them because it's completely impossible somehow. Yeah, yeah. I find like they're great for sort of components and small views mm -hmm. um, that you know you reuse everywhere. But then anything that's got uh, dependencies, view models, that sort of stuff on the go, it starts to get very, very tricky to to get some good use out of them. Uh, so maybe that's me. Maybe I'm holding it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> maybe if. Like you're right. If you like really, really like, um, like take apart all your views into these very, very tiny and compact, uh, sub and sub and sub views, yeah, then it kind of works. But then, like, <laughs> this is like when people were went way overboard with, op uh, with uh, object oriented programming and everything was a subclass of a subclass of a subclass, which just one line of code added somewhere. And yes. that is completely unreadable. And I feel like if you have to, like, like if you make you have to make your view so simple that, um, like you, like everything is componentized so, so deeply, then it's like also kind of impossible to write proper user interface. Yeah. Yeah. I feel very, very similar. Actually, there's a balancing point 
to all of that between your your view that's the screen and your views that are the components and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the sweet spot for me is not the spot that maybe previews would rather I was in. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, anyway, that, that's getting to a lot of lower level detail about Xcode and previews. And I'm thinking there's a lot more to WWTC than, than a good version of Xcode. Um. Yeah, Dave. What was your what was your most impressive part of WWDC? Uh, or what touched most, you the most? What? what to, oof, good question. Very good question. I think I came away with two key callouts. Obviously, there's the Vision Pro and the entire story around that. Right. That that is the big deal. I mm-hmm. think for for this dub dub. Even if you don't think you're going to get it, you think the product's going to crash and burn, or whatever your feelings are in that way. Apple have definitely gone all in on this in terms of like the um, the developer story of how to enhance your apps and start making them work in that environment or at least put a bit of gloss on them when they're in that mm-hmm. environment. And so I think that also links to what I think is the other key thing out of DubDub, which is that it feels very much like a sort of S year as it were, you know, like the S model of the phones. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, it, it, it's the tock after the tick sort of thing. Um, or a snow leopard year or however you want to phrase it. But, um, and I actually think that is super positive. It means that we're seeing a lot of these things that are like um, enhancements or stuff we wished we'd had a year ago. Yeah, like we're seeing like lots of good debugging. documentation, uh, as, as as we already said, like Xcode is is getting less buggy, not more buggy. Apparently, um, we have like really cool features for Swift packages, which I'm going to talk about a bit more later. I think. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's and then it's just macros good. and things like that as well, which I think are going to be. They've got edges to them, but I think overall they're going to be quite useful. Uh, so yeah. I think that's the the two sort of main dynamics for me from this dub dub mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of podcasts and and uh, ink has been spilled as it were already over the um, Vision Pro. Right, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang Go on. on. Uh, I I need to do this. All right, all right. Hey. Um, I have opened my beer and I'm now ready for your 45 minute monologue on the Vision Pro. Go. <laughs> uh oh wow okay talk about being put on the spot um i've wanted this for years in one form Mm -hmm. or another right so and actually i can i I need to probably explain a little bit more why as well like you know i'm not a virtual reality person right i've never really been that bothered by it and i found that, that vr headsets often make me motion sick and um it's not that i don't like the idea of a virtual world as it were but i've been more enthralled by the idea of of augmented reality on the real world and sort of the extensions that then gives us right uh because i i I, fundamentally i perceive mobile tech as starting to extend individual people's personal capabilities right Uh, it's a bit of a meta view or or however you want to think of it yeah i mean like yeah, you know, literally, I've got a device in my hand that can bring almost any information in the world to me 
um, with with very little hassle between me and that data, um, or I can call anybody, anybody, in, anywhere in the world from it. So I see AR as being like the next progression of that, if you like, um, in terms of what it then enables us as human beings to do in the spaces around us with computing. And so think back probably it's think back to six years ago, 2017. Um, I, this time six years ago, I was absolutely in the full flow of leaving the UK, packing my house up, saying goodbye to people I'd known all my life. Um, and obviously I, I was excited for, um, coming to New Zealand. A lot was unknown. It was all very, you know, very much, very, very big to go and do a move like that. And I remember thinking at that time of how video calls are great, but I wish that what I've been seeing coming out of things, I think we'd seen it at that point from HoloLens, right? With that sort of, um, they did a demo for the Microsoft HoloLens where a guy was talking to his young daughter who was in a separate location and it was projecting her into his space around him. And they were holding this conversation together using AR. And that was involved with like, you know, many cameras around both of them in the rooms they were in and a dedicated spot to be able to do this. Um, but I thought, yeah, that would be really cool for being able to connect with my family after I've left them half a world away as it were. And that vision of of like being able to speak to people with a level of presence um, kind of stuck with me. And so if you've wondered why I've been excited for the idea of glasses and where that's all going, you know, in previous podcast episodes, it's kind of because of that idea and that connection. Um, so, yeah, finally Apple have landed this product. And so the question comes back to me of does it do what I hoped it would do? And the answer to that is kinda, right? Um, kinda, yeah, yeah. So the, 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 they showed some demos of FaceTime and of using um, an avatar for yourself. They've called them personas, um, where you you use you get the device to um, you scan yourself effectively, um, and it creates a three D representation of you that is then puppeted and animated according to your facial expressions and movements uh, when you talk to somebody on the other side. And then when somebody's talking to you like that, you get to see them in 3D in the space that you're in. Um, and that, yeah, but that you, get is, to see the, you get to see the, the rendered avatar. That's right. That's right. And yeah, so I've put a lot of thought over the years into this this space in that sense, as much as sort of one person you know, tinkering around in their own headspace can do because a product like this has to be the work of many, many people to get it to work right. Um, but I was, I was looking at could I do um, video calls in AR um, with a more sort of effectively like background removal and the person showing in 2D but in the 3D space. And I was wondering, would that be good? Um and in the process of setting some prototypes up for that, I discovered the obvious thing, which is, yeah, that's great. You can do a bunch of that, and it may well work. However, as soon as you're talking about glasses to represent it and the first generations of those especially, 
you're going to have a honking great headset on your face. And mm-hmm. that's what the other person sees. Right. So Apple have solved that with personas and I'm looking and going, yeah, that's probably the right track for now, at least. Um, and, you know, they've used all their expertise with cameras and sensors and the rest of it to sort of make that work and be able to to pick up your face movements while it's on your face. Um, which I think is very impressive, right? I mean, regardless of whether we think the technology's got legs and, and people will use it um, and adopt it, I think the uh, effort that they've done so far and how it's come together is still fantastic in its own right. Uh, so, yeah, that's me on the Vision Pro. I'm not exactly like necessarily bullish about it finding um, its niche for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's going to be a slower burn. I think if you think of it more as a as a tethered product to begin with, I know it's got the battery pack. I know you can walk around with it. I'm guessing it's got GPS embedded in it as well, and all of that, so you can you know walk around the world and see see things in AR in that space. But I think if you consider the fact you'll be walking around with three and a half grand's worth of uh, equipment on your face and no um, peripheral vision and no peripheral vision i think um you would be foolhardy to just go about your day-to-day life with one on so i think of them more as a at your desk product at this stage um but yeah how about you what did what did you think of 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 these and talk a bit about the the space yeah it's interesting because so if i understand you correctly you're saying like the thing you've been excited most about was the the remote connectivity the the th- like the shared room metaverse yeah. kind of idea yeah Whereas, pretty much but but not not necessarily the metaverse kind of idea i certainly haven't been excited about the idea of avatars as the way facebook sort of presented it um but it's more about the the ability to have a conversation with somebody who's not physically with you and feel like they're in the room with you. That's the bit I'm really after. All right. So um, I've never considered that really. I mean, I've, I've heard from other people who had that viewpoint and I never really considered it because um, all the way through the, the, the COVID lockdown era, um, I've been a, like a huge fan of Zoom and having Zoom meetings. But yes. what happened for a lot of people was that the technology was kind of disappearing. Like, of course, you only see the people 2D and of course you only see them when they are in their field of view and you only hear them if they have good microphones and stuff like that. Yeah. Granted, but e- even if you, if like part of your mind keeps that in mind, like for many people, it kind of disappeared and they were just talking to a friend. And That's I, right. Even after um, years and years and years of um, a, a lot of Zoom usage and and other video conferencing solutions, of course, um, I cannot I cannot not see the camera. I cannot not. Uh, <laughs> mo- I'm spending at least fifty percent of my brain capacity with trying to make sure that my face is centered in the camera, that I'm not mm-hmm. making weird faces, stuff like that. <laughs> Um, yeah. 
So even if you had like a perfect 3D scanning device that uh, mm -hmm. you place in my room, and then I have we will we both have, and so you can scan my whole body in like, in real time and send that to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I we have both glasses that are not like just like just like regular eyeglasses are right now. Even then, I think it would for me give me about the same quality of conversation as a Zoom call would give me. Which is okay. to say, ah, not, not, not so much. And the other thing <laughs> is, um, there would be even more environment to control because right now what I control is my camera's field of view. And that is pretty carefully selected, um, yes. to not show the mess in my office, which is usually very clean, but, and, and pretty minimal. But right now it's just, uh, there's just a lot of stuff standing around. Um, And you wouldn't see that on the, on the camera. And so I don't have to think about that. But with a 3D thing, I would have to make sure that, oh, yeah, somehow do not scan anything behind me because there is uh, – right now there's two bikes, four bike tires and <laughs> uh, various uh, like sim racing equipment plus yeah. assorted like boxes and oh, stuff oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. And there's also a privacy thing, right? Because eventually yeah. you're going to have some – I don't have kind words for people who take calls on – public transport but um you have some, one of those those people and i know it's necessary mm -hmm. sometimes but i never want to hear somebody else's conversation i certainly don't want to be 3d represented in somebody else's conversation so there's also that if people are using it on the move like you know their background's always changing you're bringing that with you i think this is why the persona route that apple's gone is is the right route especially for right now um in terms of you then game back some of that right is that you know you're talking about literally only bringing that 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 person to the other side and not everything else with them yeah but that's uh, the thing the persona tech i mean as like let's yeah. assume it gets better and better but right now it's just horribly creepy mm -hmm. uh, but let's assume it gets better and at some point it's almost lifelike i'm still not seeing the actual person i'm just seeing a 3d representation like yes. in in many ways a video image would be better for me Yeah. So anyway, what I'm saying is like, I'm not like my dream of VR, AR was never the, oh yeah, let's meet friends. Um, I don't yes. know. Like sometimes like, um, I'm better with phone calls or texting than with other forms of, uh, like real time interaction. Um, but my dream of AR, VR was always something, something like you have a virtual screen, you have, 3d objects on your desk and you can interact yes. with them. um and that that's pretty much what um vision os or vision pro actually gives us yes It, it's probably not good enough right now for me to to really consider using it because uh, i don't work i don't work a lot with uh 3d i do like a uh, hobby blender stuff every now and then mm -hmm. but it's probably going to be a while before i can just display my blender scene in 3d using the vision pro yes uh so like and and like all like various other computing things like ah uh, the screen like it, it's very impressive the screens that are built into the device mm -hmm. um but um i like right now i don't think it will give like a virtual screen will give me enough resolution to yes. really really have everything on it the way that I have, I have it on my actual screen. 
um, because like they say, oh, they're projecting it in 4K resolution onto your 3D space. But yes. the entire, your entire field of view is, what's that? Res- did they say the res- resolution? Let's say it's 6K, which is probably less than it that. is. I think it's 4K in each eye. Um, but that's your entire field of view. So if your yeah. s- virtual screen in the middle is like half of that or a quarter yep. of that, probably yep. less, then it's going to be a pretty pixelated screen. It will and, be, and 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 the other side of that is like this. That is the um, virtual machine sort of argument, right? You can't exceed the specs of the machine that you're on, and you will always right. run slightly underneath those specs because of the overhead of the virtualization, and right. and that sort of um, AR based screen, as it were, in in the in three D space that you're in, suffers from the same thing. It can't give you any more resolution than it's got itself. Um, and that's only, and the resolution it has for itself is the resolution to cover your entire eye each. Right. So, so that's the, so yeah. that's the OES version one argument. Like I'm probably not going to get this because a, it doesn't help me with my job and yeah. B it's very expensive, but C also, um, it needs a few more years in the oven before it can really do the thing in theory, at least that I wanted to do, which is like yeah. present me with a virtual screen that can also do 3D stuff. So I can do, um, like do pr- programming and blender modeling on it, maybe. Um, but yeah. the other thing, and here I'm actually skeptical is this is not a screen. This is a whole device. Like this is not a monitor. This is an iPad. Like, or mm-hmm. the equivalent of it, right? Yep. And the iPad is not a device that I want to do computing on right now. No. Because for years, people like Federico, Federico, Vitici, and, and other enthusiasts, and even, even actually me at some point, tried to use the iPad as a general purpose computer. And because Apple insists on keeping it locked down AF, Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not possible to do the things that I want to do with a general purpose computer on an iPad. Of course, yeah. many people can use uh, can use an iPad for all the things that they use a computer for, but I cannot. And I feel very constrained on an iPad. And yes. my fear is that all the hardware constraints, they will be like they will be gone at some point. Like on an mm-hmm. infinite time scale, go into the future. There will be a point where the display is sharp enough. There will be a point where um, the simulation of the uh, personas is is good enough. Um, yep. But <laughs> but what if I still cannot run a terminal? <laughs> what if I still <laughs> cannot uh, sideload an app? Or yeah. Um, yeah. what if Apple just doesn't allow a like? apps that are not certified to display stuff into 3d space like so the blender people will just not never never bother or something like that yeah um, there's, Apple there's is a whole lot of erecting those. a lot of these walls yes and i remember 10 years ago when the app store started was it 10 years ago probably a bit longer longer um yeah but when the app store started it was a lot of like walled garden arguments and all of us were like yeah but Inside the walled garden is really nice, and outside is a lot of malware. And I think yep. we it was we, it was right and correct uh, at that time, but uh, just now that everything has grown so much, and we rely way more on devices that we have less control over, there should be an escape hatch. And because Apple is not providing those, and instead adding more and more walls, it's like on devices that are not the Mac, it's getting a bit uncomfortable for me sometimes. 
And so that. my fear, and I mean, Apple, prove me wrong. I'd love, I'd love to be proven wrong on this, right? Uh, my fear is that it will not do the things that I want it to do or will not be able to do them because of uh, artificial restrictions. Mm-hmm. And that I would could, be sad. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, like, if for reference, I definitely have a terminal on my iPad um, app <laughs> that I can use. Um, but I know what you're saying. You want to be able to um, have that sort of control over your primary computing device. And if that's right. what like, Vision Pro is going to offer, then it's got to give you some yeah. of that. I was on a weekend bike trip and I didn't have my laptop with me. And then um, the server started act- acting up. And there was just no combination of software that I could use on the on an iPhone or an iPad to really rectify that. I, I like because of certificates and tunneling and mm-hmm. also this available software that Apple allows in the stores, it was just not possible to do that kind of administration on, yeah. on a device, even though it could all be sandbox and stuff like that. Yeah, you end up where it would have been more more practical to be able to VNC into your Mac or use some sort of remote. Yeah, that's uh, what I, what I ended up doing, like actually. And then right, I cranked yeah. up the I cranked down the resolution to actually see anything. Yeah, but it it did actually work. So, uh, sort of take a step back from some of this. I, I think that it really does depend on how you see what the technology is going to bring. Right? I think it's a, it's a fair argument to say, okay, iPad apps as they exist today don't really offer the full depth of functionality that I'm after. Um, or, or the, the OS itself doesn't let you have the level of um, control that you're after. I think the latter is unlikely to be something Apple gives much ground on um, with with fully featured apps, as it were. Uh, but I do think that we may well see things like uh, extensions and things that uh, web apps can hook into, for example, to to be able to be participating in in the augmented reality space i think that will be sort of part of the story as time goes on that will that will give one route through for certain classes of apps uh the other is that it may well not matter and that you may not be abandoning your mac for this um and so that's where it then becomes more of a peripheral rather than a primary computing device, or it becomes a primary computing device for some people um, and a peripheral that extends their primary computing device for others. I could see that being the sort of space that this ends up occupying. And then, so rather than you having to worry too much about that, it it's then a case of, well, when you're next thinking of it's time to upgrade your monitor, for example, and I know you've got a good monitor, right now right if mm-hmm. you've got a what is the one you've got uh i got the xdr the most expensive one there you go right so you've got what a 6k resolution with right. that um if the tech lands and we get you know a few generations further along uh by the time that that display is sort of looking a bit like eh, maybe it's not really cutting it anymore for whatever reason um if this sort of device has moved all the way along and then it's a case of like, it's not a full upgrade, Like you know, maybe it's, it's 8k rather than being 12, 16 or whatever the hell is top of the market at that point. Right. But it's a bump from what you've got. 
the decision could then be, well, okay, it makes more sense to get one of these devices, replace the display for that, because actually they've got light enough, good enough, whatever the, the call-out is there. Um, and then you also then get all of the augmented stuff for free out of that, as it were, right? You know, you've, you've replaced your monitor, your desk is now looking beautiful and minimal, and you've got all that space to, to work um, right. in, that, in right. that zone. And by that but, point, the software's come along a bit better as well. Yeah, but what I mean by that is, or by my argument that like there will be artificial walls, is for example, yeah, okay, you can totally tr- uh, um, like just like show your Max virtual monitor in 3D space, easy, right? And of yep. course, that virtual monitor can then display all of all the stuff that a regular monitor could display, and everything that runs on my Mac, which is just everything how I want it to be. But then I'd be just frustrated because, uh, I, 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 in my in my imaginary world, there would just be no API that a Mac app could project 3D data into 3D space because that needs to run on the device, mm-hmm. and then and then on the device can only like you can only run apps that are in the App Store, and then yes. you have all the App Store problems again. And of course, I'm constructing a a a, a an example here that is like far into the future and so many things can change but yeah that's yes. kind of how i expect apple to 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 be because i love the apple stuff and i love almost everything that apple does but it's also at the same time it's just like this tiny bit frustrating <laughs> <laughs> i think this is definitely a wait and see sort of thing right and yeah no, totally the the big thing with it i think that that um I feel like everybody needs to sort of understand this. Like this is a case of um, it's our take on the future of sort of spatial computing, wearable computing, however you want to describe it. And it it's not necessarily the one that's really going to work for everything that it's got. So I think it's going to be a, a real mixture. You know, there's going to be some day one issues, like it's it's a first gen of its kind. Uh, from Apple, so it'll be all of that sort of stuff. Like it, it occupies the same spot uh, as the Series Nought Apple Watch in a lot of ways for me. Um, where you know when they did that first initial launch, they threw a lot of stuff at the wall. You could buy ten thousand dollar gold plated, whatever the hell they were, versions of the Apple Watch, right, and waste a lot of money. Um, and now it's sort of dialed right into being. Um, the product that it is today that that is more attuned to what people really want it, want to use it for. Uh, and I think the same is going to apply to this. But um, I think the limitations you're seeing, I feel like they could be overcome in time. And you know, even down to how the Mac interrupts with it and uses that 3D space, I think there's things that could be done there. Um, so... Yeah, it's a big deal with this. Is it's not fully cooked yet. It's also not half baked, right? In terms of the space, what it can do, uh, competing products, that sort of thing. It, it does seem like they've they've solved a whole bunch of things with this as well. Um, like you know, I, I mentioned I get motion sickness with a lot of the headsets. I've seen a lot of people saying they do, and then with these, they didn't because it's actually been you know quick enough, good enough. Um, that'll shake out as it gets sold, right? In terms of whether that's really a thing, have they really sort of solved motion sickness for like 80, 90% of people who have motion sickness? 
Um, we won't find that out fully until it's sold at vo- any sort of volume, I guess. Um, so all of this is sort of all over the place. But if we take a step back, like, is it what I wanted? Is it what I thought could be done here? And it's kind of like, it's like 70% of the way there in some ways for me. Uh, that is actually you know, surprisingly much for a yeah. not yet released product that is very much version one. So I'm yeah. impressed. You know, like, but bear in mind, I don't necessarily care about walking around with them on. I don't care about the eyes on the outside on the OLED screen looking goofy because I'm probably not interacting with, with real people. Through these. <laughs> oh, God, the eyes on the outside yeah, yeah, of yeah. the OLED screen. <laughs> I mean, I get their intention, yeah. but it's going to be quite a while before yeah. you wouldn't look incredibly cringe and goofy I um, think so. keeping them on and interacting with someone. Um, this think... is not like ha- like wearing an Apple Watch or wearing AirPods or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like this is actually something obscuring your face. <laughs> but you can see within this, right, that there's opportunity there for them to slice a whole bunch of the costs off the product, right? Get rid of that. Turn right. it into a, a flat metallic thing. Get rid of the battery pack and just make it tethered for now. Right. Um, give give it a MagSafe connector, and you can plug it into a USB PC power supply um, with a nice braided cord that's long enough to be be just fine. Like I say, when you sat at your desk in a tethered position, um, and then the these things have have that they've got those limitations for sure, and you're not getting the full walk around AR thing with it. But then you, like I say, you've got a good monitor replacement. You've got something that lets you go around with, say, uh, you know, an, a, 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 just a MacBook and that. And then wherever you are for work, you can sort of set up and have a big, big screen um, and do all of that sort of thing. Like I think there's there's a um, a few different ways this could iterate out over the next few years to give different options. Uh, so yeah. I'm kind of, I, like I say, I, I, I'm not overwhelmed. I was a bit like overwhelmed with detail on on the day of the keynote. I, I felt, you know, like like a big storm had blown in after that, and, and it took me a while to take stock. I'm not overwhelmed by the products. I'm sort of quietly excited by it. I think is how I'm now feeling. Like this is this is on its way to the sort of stuff I've been after. Uh, like, yeah, I get that. I feel yeah. like this and this and uh, language-based um, computer interaction are gonna shape the next few decades of computer interaction or not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, as developers, I think I can look at everything that's come out of Dub Dub and sort of go, "Yeah, I don't need to be on it on day one, right?" Um, and that I'm interested in the direction you can go when there is utility for for what you're building in that space and i'm interested in the little additions we can make to our apps that that let them be more useful in that space uh but beyond that i don't feel like there's a need for me to go all in and start building an app specifically for it today like that that's just me personally i know a bunch of people are uh but i also i want to see the simulator i really hope they release that soon yeah and 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 the the other thing I sort of bear in mind here is like I remember the fervor for for watch apps 
and how that sort of shaked out and shaped over time. Like I sort of feel like um, if you're going to make an app that operates well in that space, um, you could probably make better use of your time by making an iPad Mac OS based app that has some level of extra utility when it's in that space. Right. So then you're covering three different markets in one hit. Right. Uh, remember that it's going to be very niche, that there's going to be a limit of, of, of how many people really buy this in the first year or two. Um, and it's going to shake out. So I sort of feel like it's not to say there's not value in building experiences for it or building games for it and things that are going to be really fun. Um, but I would also curb my enthusiasm slightly in that respect, right? I think it's more a case of uh, think about how that app could also be useful in the existing environments as well. I mean, I do have this vision of just like your head being surrounded by tens or, or hundreds of telemetry deck charts in VR. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point I might have to like play with a simulator yeah but yeah um let's we like we're just gonna we have to wait and see we will we really will and i think that's that's probably the 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 biggest message i would give to anybody developing in this space is like yeah just be mindful of how you focus your time towards it because in reality it's gonna be it will shake out over the course of 2024 like next year is going to be how we sort of figure out how people really use these things when they've got them. Um, Only in the US, though. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's going it's to kind have of weird sort of to me. Burn. Like, I mean, are they planning to make so little of them that it only is enough for the US? Ah, oh, no, I know what it is. It's probably going to be the the try on process because they need to upgrade all the processes in the app stores, Apple stores. <laughs> to because like they're going to scan your your face and then select the correct. Uh, yeah. um, light shade for you and then also like scan your glasses and have the correct lay, lay glasses for you and stuff like that so yeah, okay. yeah. I, can, I actually get that yeah the, the, there's a <laughs> I was going to say there's a lot of moving parts there's not actually a lot of moving parts <laughs> really for the thing they're all very much trying not to move too much there's no spinning things inside it as far as I know I think it's got maybe fans at the bottom So we're doing something today that we have never done before in the history of waiting for review. Uh, so far, we are at um, well, well over um, 100 and odd episodes. We're, we're probably bearing down on 150 to 200 episodes nearly now. We're on the countdown to it. And we have never had sponsorship. Um, it's been proudly bought to, brought to you. Uh, by the bank balance of me and co-hosts over the years. So um, despite all of that, it's not been for any particular reason other than than I've just not gone there yet. So um, today is a bit of a first, and today we are sponsored by Feedback Bulb. Feedback Bulb is available at feedbackbulb.com, and Feedback Bulb is, it is a feedback mechanism for app developers. Have you ever thought about how cool it would be to make your app even better by tuning into your user's voice? Well, Feedback Bulb is here to light your way. 
Feedback Bulb is a widget that you can easily plug into your app or website. You can collect feedback, ideas, and issues from your users. And you can think of it as kind of like a dynamic dashboard uh, where you've got instant updates, new reports, just there, right there at your fingertips in real time. So as soon as users want to say anything to you, they give you any feedback from any of your apps, um, within milliseconds it will be there and in front of you on your side if that's what you choose to be doing um it has a very easy to use tech stack i've played with this myself i'm actually about to ship feedback ball based feedback inside of my app uh, go vj so the next update of go vj will have that inside of it so you can take a look yourself if it's on version 2.4 then you can see it and uh it's very, very easy to set up. I'm using the simple feedback view that is inside of the Swift iOS SDK, um, which is just a Swift package. Very easy. Just pull it in. Uh, and I was up and running within a matter of five minutes with this in terms of uh, just adding the view into the right space in my app, giving it the key, uh, and then lo and behold i've now got nice quick and easy feedback in my app uh that i can then see over on the the web dashboard and access now part of the reason i love feedback bulb is that it is privacy conscious uh similar to to daniel's product telemetry deck feedback bulb considers user privacy as a key value and part of what it delivers to you so it stores feedback nothing else it's gdpr compliant there's no shady third party tracking tools inside of that so you're just talking about your product um, and the potential of your product with user feedback so what i would say to sum up feedback bulb is that it is quick it is nice and easy to use it is privacy conscious um, it's just really fun. It's really nice to have everything all in one spot. The integrations that it brings, it's about to bring email, app store reviews, and even feedback from the Fediverse into one hub, one spot for you to go and get all of your user feedback for your app. That to me is, is the key thing with this. I don't want to have to log into lots of different spots to access all of that stuff. Feedback Bulb is going to give me one spot for all of that. So, get started today, illuminate your product's potential responsibly with Feedback Bulb, because your user's voice matters. That's feedbackbulb.com. I noticed that you, you've mentioned there's this, in our show notes, you've mentioned that there are privacy and tracking protection updates in Swift packages. I think right. that relates directly to your, your world for telemetry deck. It is true. It is true. Um, hang on, where are um okay here so what is happening is like two things like one is that in a swift package which for example telemetry deck is providing you can now include various um privacy related information and you can also sign those and right now i think that's all completely optional but they will probably require one or two of these things within a year or so like they kind of say they kind of allude to that in the documentation already so right. they're saying like something like april 24 is when uh, or like september 23 so when ios 17 comes out mm -hmm. they probably like they are allowing these in the app store and then april yep. 24 they might start 
actually requiring them for select packages. And the packages they select for are going to be packages that provide some sort of tracking, some sort of analytics, some stuff like that. And oh, that's wow. the other side of this medal, of this coin actually, which is that they are enforcing app tracking sec um, security way more or app tracking transparency is what I mean, which is yeah. the, 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 like, um, the list of features in iOS that try to prevent tracking apps from tracking you. And yep. by tracking, they mean mostly, they mean analytics, but analytics can, can mean a lot of things. What they mean is like analytics to, to proliferate ads and analytics that allow, um, that allow a company to follow you from app to app or from website to website or from website to app to website. Um, yes. And also like just data that is being collected in order to connect to your person and or being sold to data brokers. Um, so this is actually, <laughs> I've been reading this with, with great interest because it's like directly relevant um, because they will identify the URLs of um, known trackers. Like mm -hmm. let's say um, the Google ads tracker or yes. another and like Stuff like that. And they will then globally on the whole system for each app, they will automatically block all requests to that domain if you haven't asked explicitly the user for permission to actually track that data. So to ask them to opt in. Um, so that's pretty cool. Yep. It also means though that um, because like on by the letter of the law, um, telemetry data doesn't fall under this. We don't, um, track like, like personally identifiable information. We don't use it for advertising. We don't even use the identifier for advertising uh, ID. Uh, we in, instead we generate a new ID for each separate app. So we can't do app hopping or website hopping, stuff like that. Yeah. And like we just don't do advertising with the data that we have when we don't sell it to data brokers either, because that's just icky. Yeah. Um, and even if we would try to sell this to data brokers, the data is completely unusable for any, any of that purpose. And we also don't do fingerprinting because that's, that's in there as well. Um, but of course, there's the, there's the danger that a Apple w w would just decide anyway <laughs> that we are a dangerous tracker. Hmm. And I don't know what to do then. I think we would try to have to talk to them to get off that yeah. list. Or if that doesn't work, then just our customers will just have to like live with the opt-in process, I guess. Um, but like then this wouldn't be yeah. super fun and I would very much dislike it. But I mean, this, this would be the same kind of for every, uh, analytics provider then, because if even telemetry deck falls into this, then like all the others do too. So they like, we don't have a direct disadvantage there. Um, yes. It would just suck because we're, <laughs> we are, we are like ethically, and from our values motivated to do the right thing. And yes. we're doing the right thing under these laws that Apple is, is kind of handing down from the mountain here. Yes. So it would, it would suck if they like still decided that we are uh, somehow to be restricted. And the other, the other danger that I kind of see is that individual of our customer, individual like apps from our customers would get rejected by app review for yeah. not adhering to these. And, um, so for this, I'm kind of starting, trying to like start a blog post and just like, just like collecting all the 
day that, that that we have so far by Apple and just have like give them all the tools to kind of argue their case for using telemetry deck and right. let's hope that's enough uh, but oh, i think it is pretty cool and oh yeah what what this um these 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 um so these manifests privacy manifests do you add them to your swift package and what they also give you is they give you automatically the ingredients for the privacy checklist that you see in the app store and that's also right. really nice because right now there's a blog post on telemetry deck where you can where just t- will tell you like go to your um app store connect and then click this checkbox and this checkbox to show that your app now collects anonymized usage data um and in the future we might not not have to do that anymore because you will just drag the package into your app and then your app app store privacy labels will automatically be updated to show that you are using anonymous usage data and that would be pretty cool that would be cool and and i think this is them sort of closing a bit of a a loop a bit of a hole inside of the whole thing right in terms of that's sort of on the honor system at the moment yeah uh i noticed there was something i came across something in my my uh, mastodon feed a few days ago something to the tune of they were going to start flagging apps that were using sdks like facebook's sdk for example are not declaring these things Mm -hmm. i don't know how true that is or isn't but i could see that being an extension of this of being a yeah you know you say you've said you're not tracking anything but actually you know it's got all of these these yeah and it's also way easier for them to go to the i want to say 20 analytics providers and yeah. make them include this this um, privacy manifest file into their packages then it is to go to the thousands upon thousands of apps that use them right yes. and if the if the providers are using that then like that gets like the information that the apps then use is way more accurate yeah so i, I think it's a uh... Uh, certainly from a user perspective it's a good move mm-hmm. um, on apple's part i think this will um increase you know like the disclosure of that and let people make informed decisions uh that that's a good thing that's that's a positive thing and if it makes the process of ticking everything off a bit easier for developers as well then that's good because that that whole side of app store connects and, and updating that but it's like it's like a test in semantics Mm-hmm. You, you read through uh <laughs> what it's saying and you're like is my app doing that am i sure hang on it doesn't not not do the not do the thing with the right. maybe right um, and most of these words have like special meaning under yeah. various like privacy legislation which i now know but like most people will probably not yeah so the other side of this is, is i think a lot of developers rather than necessarily willfully not disclosing stuff I think the process of actually doing it means that some people just sort of button bash it. Um, and that means that the quality of that information is not accurate. Yeah. Or they, or they like search on the internet or they actually ask us. So we have that article in our docs that yeah. we point people towards. I can actually put that in the show notes where it just tells you like how to fill this out to be like if you're using telemetry deck. And oh, wow. um, people I'm are always happy with this right <laughs> <laughs> i'm always happy when people ask us this because um because it's cool because it's, it shows that people actually care you know 
And yeah. I, I like that, that people actually do care about giving their customers the, the correct information to, to be like just ethically correct about this whole privacy thing. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people and do also, care. Yeah, do, do not, do not ask chat GPT. Like I am a, oh, I am a, uh, AI skeptic. I think it, but I'm not an AI, um, abolitionist i think yeah <laughs> so yeah i do <laughs> think that you can use generative models in in cool in cool ways but do not use it to create your privacy policy no no not at all um i'm an ai skeptic but i'm a autocomplete realist is how <laughs> I oh myself. i like that i like that <laughs> yeah no i'm seeing i'm seeing like i'm uh, Ooh, should I announce this on the podcast? I'm not uh, okay. So, um, this is not not uh, not a huge secret or something. We um we have various prototypes uh, prototypes running right now, in seeing how we can ask uh, kind of like can we can we compile using a generative um language model, yeah um like regular humans human questions into database queries for our query language because okay. that's cool. Yeah, that is and cool. Uh, it's not destructive, and I mean the the type of data that you get back and the meta information that you get back will probably tell you if you if the system has understood you wrong, and is also very much in 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 alpha and beta, and we will label this as such. Um, but I also that think it's be, cool, just like just like a conversational interface. That could be really quite empowering because there's a lot of people who, um. Yeah, if they could just say what they wanted it to do, and it could get them, you know, most of the way there. Yeah, and then, then I mean, they can they can still in, like convert this into a regular regular query and then hack away on it. But our language is very verbose, and so just like having this shortcut could be really really nice. The other thing is, is you might be able to use it backwards as well, and then sort of say, okay, can you? Oh yeah, tell we have me- that, that as well. Like just describe yeah. this query result as language, and that doesn't work as well right now. I think we need to give it more context or something. Yeah, but that that that's a good example of it. Like I say, it's 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 acting as autocomplete, right? It's it's right. you know running through known known things and scaffolding to give you back something useful from a, a more natural input for a human um i think that's that's a good use of it i think uh my skepticism creeps in when people start talking about it being um more capable than it really is you know or having having more <laughs> yeah. agency than it really does yeah. don't get me started on these people who are like oh yeah ai is more dangerous than nuclear weapons right now like yeah. if you are so concerned about the survival of human race maybe do something about climate change and pandemics and stuff like that yeah exactly exactly that um or you know half the companies that have been pushing for this regulation are also the ones building this stuff and it's like uh yeah no my skepticism creeps in hard for them because i'm looking and it's like the meme with the guy in the hot dog suit right where it's like Mm. we're all looking for the guy who did this you know (laughs) (laughs) take a look in the mirror um this is a meme from I Think You Should Leave, which is a sketch show on Netflix that I started watching yesterday because I saw all these memes. Yeah. And it's horrible to watch. Like, it's really good. <laughs> but the cringe factor is so big, so, so large that, um, I just like, I, it's, I'm, I'm suffering physically. <laughs> well, 
on that bombshell, Daniel, I think <laughs> we're going to have to wrap the show. All right. So, um, in that case, Dave, where can people find you? You can find me online at davidgarrywood.com. And if you're on Mastodon and the Fediverse, then I am at davidgarrywood at social.davidgarrywood.com. Fantastic. How about you, Daniel? Um, you can point your uh, VR glasses to uh, telemetrydeck.com or on Mastodon, you can find me at daniel at social.telemetrydeck.com. Um, I'm not on the meta metaverse because <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but yes, that's me. Awesome. Well, great catching up, Daniel. Catch you, catch you next time. All right. Have a great, uh, have a great day. Bye.